and Talk. Hey, welcome to Grow Up and Talk. This is Alex LaHue, and I'm a pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church. We believe that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith, and one of the best ways to do this is by reading God's Word, the Bible, and talking about it. Not just reading, but having conversations about it with other people, asking questions, admitting the things that we don't know, and kind of digging a little bit deeper into those things that we wonder about. And what we're using to go through the Bible is this three-year Bible reading plan that uh, some people have put together at Messiah Lutheran Church. Other people like to call it the five minutes a day for three years reading plan. But we're excited to jump into God's Word today, and with me today is my good friend, Dave Edwards. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I am so excited to be on. It was very difficult for me not to try to interrupt you when you were doing doing your introduction. (laughs) Hey, Dave, uh, tell the people who you are and uh, a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So uh, my name is David Edwards. I'm a pastor in Lincoln, Nebraska, serving Word of Life Lutheran in the northwest corner of the city, if anyone's familiar with Lincoln, uh, right on the highway to 34 going out to Seward. I just got called here in uh, August. Well, I got uh, installed in August. I, uh, I'm also an Air Force chaplain, so I'm a full-time parish pastor and part-time reserve chaplain. I grew up in Texas, went to college in Minnesota, seminary in Missouri, and I was born in Canada before that. Um, not married. Yeah. yeah. Woo, lots of fun. Not married, no kids. So I have a lot of free time apparently to, uh, do pastor stuff, which is awesome. Uh, it's, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of good learning going on in this first year of being a pastor. Uh, who would have thought that we would get welcomed into pastoral ministry with an awesome, p- uh, pandemic. <laughs> what, what a cool little treat. <laughs> what a cool little treat. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, yeah. it's, it's interesting to navigate things, uh, but I'm oh, glad sure. that uh, you and I graduated together. Uh, I'm glad yeah. that we get to, knowing that there's someone on the other side of the country, Dave Edwards, who's navigating the storm just the same way that I am, or at least right. I'm not alone in that. So Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's and, awesome. And he's, he's single, and he's free, <laughs> and he's able to do a podcast. Yeah with me (laughs) in a pinch that's right yeah oh yeah oh man i was so honestly i was so excited when you sent the message so this is gonna be great awesome it's all yeah yeah stop talking (laughs) i'm just kidding hey uh today we're gonna cover the readings from may 30th to june 5th in our bible reading plan and uh that covers deuteronomy chapter 30 to deuteronomy chapter 34 i think in the reading plan there's psalm 91 as well we're not going to cover that today in our conversation on the podcast, but uh, be sure to cover uh, that Psalm 91 in your readings. And then there's Joshua chapters 1 and 2. So we're closing one book and beginning another. And actually, they the, the transition from Deuteronomy to Joshua is actually pretty smooth. So we'll, yeah. we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, let's do a quick overview of what's going on here. So Dave, why don't you tell us what's going on in Deuteronomy chapter 30 to 34? Yeah, well, the long and the short of it is uh, encapsulated in the following sentence. Moses is given his final address to the Israelites at the at, towards the end of his life. The Israelite, He's establishing Joshua as the new leader, which transitions us smoothly into the book of Joshua. He writes a song, sings a song. And then goes goes and dies. That's not funny, but that's what, <laughs> that's what happens after after he gets to see the promised land. His songs uh, are kind of emo, you know, like they're yeah, kind of. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's not something that would probably get a lot of playtime on the old radio these days. It doesn't even rhyme. <laughs> you know what I mean, man? It's like it does make you think. It does make you think, though, about the the Hebrew language. Did you know, it rhyme it, in but, Hebrew? Right, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I probably should have read it in Hebrew, I guess. But yeah, you, you should have. And actually, a, a quick side note with Hebrew: what I've come to find in my periodic YouTube uh, time wasting, I, I would listen to Hebrew singing, and when it's spoken by people that know Hebrew, <laughs> it's actually like a pretty beautiful yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. musical language. So I, I got to imagine that his song sounded more like that, and yeah. not just a bunch of, well, not rhyming stuff. Yeah, I got you. All right, well, cool. That covers the end of Deuteronomy, and the beginning of Joshua in chapters 1 and 2 is Joshua becoming the new leader of God's right. people, uh, and, and uh, he's the, not predecessor, what would... The successor? <laughs> the successor of Moses, right. very good, and, uh, <laughs> and he sends some spies into the land to scout out things. Uh, especially mm. the city of Jericho, and they they um they they come across the city of Jer- Jericho in their their endeavors, and they um almost get caught, uh, almost get found out by uh, the military force and or guards or whatever in the city of right. Jericho, but they hide in the house of Rahab, and uh, Rahab is a prostitute, and uh, she is someone who lives in a home that's embedded into the city wall of Jericho and they make a strike a deal um, hey if you help us out if you um, put this scarlet cloth into the window uh, we'll make sure that when we overcome the city we'll come and get you and uh, you and your whole household will be spared and I uh, actually Rahab ends up being a part of the uh, the ancestral is that how you say it? ancestral line for for Jesus? Yeah, I mean, it, okay. well, or is yeah, it the yeah, dis- say it descending the line? Yeah, genealogy. That's yeah. Anyways, yeah, I don't need to figure out my vocabulary, but that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, they come across Rahab the spy, or Rahab, and mm-hmm. the spies strike a deal with her, and she she helps them hide and escape, uh, setting things up for the conquest of of the land, especially starting with the city of Jericho. So so that's the beginning of Joshua, and we also had the yep. end of Deuteronomy. So, Dave, is there anything in particular that stands out to you? Yeah, uh, well, especially in chapter 30, uh, and this will relate to what's going to come up later in the podcast, but one of the things that grabbed my attention was in chapter 30, there are at least three times where this phrase comes up, with all your heart and with all your soul. Um, comes up in verse, what did I have written down? Verse 2, verse 6, and verse 10. And the, the, that phrase itself, one, I think it's always worth paying attention to something that's repeated. But the phrase itself, to me, brings a lot of, as, as I continue to grow in, the, in understanding the scripture and what it means to be formed by God's word, it brings out a great deal of depth. You know, what is it? I command you, God says, you know, and return to the Lord, or Moses is speaking, and return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice and all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul. Uh, it's a phrase that we're familiar with, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind, and all your soul and all your strength, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and we can rattle it off like that, but to pause for a moment and to consider the depth of what's being conveyed 
is a, a pretty uh, profound experience with, I mean, to, to think, to love God, to obey all that he has commanded you with all your heart and with all your, I mean, with all that you are, I think is like a, it just reinforces for me how the depth of what it means to be God's people is beyond, is inconceivable and something we will continue to dig into. And then it, it even kind of gives a fair amount of beauty to what God calls us to. It's not just, hey, do what I said and leave me alone. You know, he wants <laughs> all of us to be who who he's made us to be. Um, and it, it, we never run out of things to do as God's people when we yeah. uh, have that call. Cool. So that's that's the first thing that stood out to me. Awesome. Uh, is there anything else that you want to uh, jump into right now? Hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, the other, and this is maybe one we could talk a little bit more about, but again, this maybe turns into an application thing. Uh, verse 11, I really, as I, I was listening to this while I was watering some flowers outside, and this particular verse jumped out at me as being so, I don't know, wildly applicable. Uh, verse 11 from chapter 30. It says, for this commandment that I command to you is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. And again, when I hear that, I can just imagine, you know, a sort of sort of a, a, a worn out parent talking to kids. OK, I know what I just said. I know it sounds like a lot, but it's not too hard. You can do it, you know, because <laughs> all the people are like, oh, what if that's impossible. We can't do those things. And here's God. <laughs> How do they sound again? <laughs> I can't be sure. I wasn't there. <laughs> Imagine something like that. You know, like he knew the way that people would react to it. And just and then it's so funny to think about how similar uh, the people then are to us now, where we would react very similarly, like, whoa, yeah. that, oh, geez, that's kind of impossible there, God. And so we, so the word that Moses <laughs> delivers is, this commandment to you is not too hard, <laughs> neither is it far off. It's been brought, come to you and been made known to you. Yeah. Um, so cool. Those are two two of the big things. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that's awesome. Uh, I think for me in particular, what stood out was this song of Moses, um, mm. and this song is not necessarily just the happy sunshine and rainbows song, uh, mm-hmm. or even just you know it's not all a, a song of like just praising God and everything being being so good. It also involves uh, a lot of, you know, foretelling of how Israel is going to uh, disobey God and and turn mm-hmm. away from him and, and their future sins. Um, and Moses, even throughout the book of Deuteronomy, he, he mentions to them how they're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I just think it kind of reminds me of, of how, you know, even in the, even in the Bible, um, when we look back on what has happened in history, the Bible doesn't ignore the tough stuff. It doesn't, right. you know, just dismiss over it or try to sweep it under a, a rug. And, you know, here it's actually not even talking about the history. I mean, I mean, Moses earlier in Deuteronomy talked about the history of Israel and how they were, um, uh, how they did, uh, severely disobeyed God, but here he's also talking about their future, and this is what right. God's revealing to them uh, himself as well. He's saying, you know, you are going to disobey, you are going to turn from me, and he uses very poetic and strong language to depict how uh, how how severe their disobedience is going to be, Right. and God doesn't 
you know, he, he doesn't shy away from the tough stuff. He calls things as they are. And I think mm-hmm. that's a model for how uh, we can do that in our lives as well. And, mm. and how being God's people, how loving God with all that we have entails not just you know, uh, and even not just encouraging one another and saying, yeah, good job. You can do this. You can do this. Uh, here's God's command. Remember, uh, love God and going, going out and trying to do those things, but mm-hmm. also acknowledging and admitting how we have failed and mm-hmm. understanding that we probably are going to fail more going forward. And, right. but knowing that remembering that as we go forward, that we don't have to necessarily get caught up in the failures that we might encounter either from other people disappointing us or the sin that that we ourselves commit or the disappointments that we um you know demonstrate to to other people and our failure to love our neighbors as ourselves we don't necessarily need to get so caught up in that but really it's kind of a trust god obey him one step at a time because, sure. you know, he, he kind of giving this very broad general view of the future. And I think it serves for them as a warning. You know, it's saying, here's mm-hmm. what's going to happen. You're going to disobey God. And they have an opportunity to say, well, uh, let's not make that, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's right. a little weird because well, it's almost like a prophecy. But at the same time, right. it seems like God is, is saying, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do so that you have an opportunity to not do that. <laughs> I, right. I, I don't know. Right. Um, well, yeah. I, I mean, so as you're talking, there are a few things that came to my mind. Uh, one of them is it, reading through that passage, the the song, as you described it, made me think about um, Jesus with uh, Peter and yeah, saying, you know, you're going to yeah. betray me. And then Peter's like, what? I would never do that. That's ridiculous. You know, me? No, I'd rather die. You know, and then what does he do? Boom, goes and does it. And yeah. yet, and, and, and so I can imagine the people of God responding in a similar way. Like, <laughs> what? We're going to turn up. But yeah, right. We're not going to do that. We're not idiots, you know. And But yeah. then they go and do it, you know. And then it occurred to me that, you know, people might ask the sort of questions like, well, if God knew that was going to happen, why did he let them do it? Um, and, and to answer that question, it seems, you have to start peeking behind the mind of God, behind, you know, the seeing yeah. God that he has seen what God hasn't revealed to you. But if you don't go there, what you can see instead is that, like you said, God is actually giving them a warning. And we know that some of God's people heeded that warning because there is still like the, the remnant that returns after the exiles and after the judgments, well, judgments, then exiles that the, the people of God do still repent and come back and that he, God speaks to his people for their own good to say, this is yeah. what's going to happen when you rebel. And, and that it, it doesn't turn it into like a hopeless situation, but it's just just telling them the truth. Yeah. And then I, I even think like you know uh, we, I, I kind of would liken it to a, a football player or something. I was never good at football, but this analogy I think makes sense. If you if you're going if you're really excited going into high school, you're getting ready to get onto the football team, and you guys in Texas, well here in Nebraska too, football is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, oh, if, yeah. if so. If, if a coach told this this you know hot hot headed excited high school freshman I'm going to get started about with football he's, and if you told that guy you're going to miss 15 out of 30 tackles you make this year is that guy going to say well I'm not going to do it then I don't, you just told me I'm going to fail I don't want to move forward 
Of course not. You know, they, he would continue moving forward. And when those failures arise, he would return to the, the, the training and the encouragement and the hope that he has to continue developing in the game. And so I think it's a similar way that we can look at God's warning to his people. Yes, they are going to sin. And yes, they are going to fail. And yet he doesn't say that it's going to be hopeless. You know, right. they sin. And what does he do? He calls them to repentance. And and like like you said, this is a, is a warning for them, for them to see this is what will happen if you do this. Um, and even then, they <laughs> it's shocking, and yet not shocking how <laughs> yeah. how persistent the people are. Because I I went through the book of Judges a couple weeks ago with my own preaching, and it's it's incredible how persistent people are in their aggressive rejection of what God gives them. Yeah. Well, and and kind of uh, this is pushing into a a bit of application, which we always kind of jump around with application uh, on the podcast, even before we Mm -hmm. get to that official application question at the end. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it kind of makes me wonder, you know, when when especially in reading these these Old Testament passages and like any good three-year Bible reading plan. We started in the Old Testament, and we're just kind of going in, in chronological order, essentially. And, right. uh, and especially reading in the just Old Testament stuff, you know, a lot of the laws God gives uh, can kind of seem harsh to people, or his punishment mm. can seem very severe. Even the punishment that he gave to Moses of not even being able to step foot into the promised land, not even like for a day or a second. Right. Like not, he doesn't make any leeway for Moses at all because of one particular sin. Just one day, one bad day on Moses's part (laughs) led him to not be able to go into the promised land. And for us, we can say, well, wow, that, that's, that seemed really harsh. And I wonder Mm -hmm. if we've really lost especially in our Christian community, if we've lost the ability or uh, maybe don't practice this, this as much as we really should, uh, mm. the, the, the practice of calling out sin in one mm. another. And like, even me, I know that I can be, I'm a, you know, sensitive person and I don't, sure. that's something that I am constantly working on is my ability to receive uh, criticism constructive criticism or constructive feedback uh, or if somebody calls me out on something but um, I wonder if we're really doing that to the extent that um, we're really called to do as as a body of Christ you know like you look in the Old Testament and the the kinds of sins and calling out that 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 Paul did for uh, to churches and his letters and and even Jesus just calling out Peter's sin right away and and uh, mm-hmm. you know and those kinds of things uh, it, it definitely brings to mind you know what is kind of going on in our in our country right now you know something happens and mm-hmm. we want to maybe like point to that and call that out um, and you know people can make arguments for how effective or important it is to say something online right. or to use whatever voice you have and your leadership position or your circle of influence to to call mm-hmm. out uh maybe public sin or injustice or whatever it might be but i think that maybe um you know here in deuteronomy god they're not you know he's given a lot of warnings about the other nations 
He's given yeah. a lot of warnings about how bad they're going to be. But his yeah. primary concern is the people of Israel. He's right. saying, yeah, there's a lot of bad things happening around you. And I'm not saying that, I'm not using this as a, an argument for like saying that we shouldn't, you know, call out sin in public necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we should, I think maybe we should be very careful um, before we just go jumping at any opportunity to, to point fingers. And this sure. goes along with the teachings of Jesus, you know, remove the, the plank in your own eye before right. trying to remove the speck in your, your brother's eye. And I wonder if, if maybe uh, we need to kind of get back to the heart of, of that, of calling out sin and, and also restoring one another in, in, with grace and love in our own local Christian communities Sure. Before yeah. we just oh, start good. thinking it. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, before no, we finish. just start thinking about even even as a nation, sometimes I'm not saying that mm-hmm. we shouldn't uh, care about what's going on in our country. We definitely should, and the mm-hmm. world at large. Uh, but are we are we sometimes is that sometimes becoming a, a temptation for us to look so far outward? at the rest of the nation or the rest of the world that we forget a lot of times to look at the community, the local level and how, mm-hmm. how, uh, how are we, you know, saying, how are we calling out sin amongst one another or how are we, you know, loving one another and showing our community here that we are Jesus's disciples. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, you've you've definitely touched on uh, something that I have a particular interest in, uh, and so I spend some time, namely, how do we deal with sin based in, in each other's mm-hmm. lives? Uh, and so, there, as you were talking, there are a couple of things that came to my mind. Uh, one of which, like, kind of at a at a baseline, first the response to Moses' uh, punishment. You know, I think part of the reason that we would be so concerned about the punishment that he received as being so harsh is that sometimes we miss or we lose sight of the humility that's inherent in our lives as creatures of God in, in relationship with our creator. And what I mean is that as creatures, our entire existence is one of humility because all that we have comes from our creator and all that we know and all that we should do is dictated i mean without being like uh, fatalistic or something but like it's all determined by god he tells us who we are and how we live and as it happens god actually has a pretty good idea <laughs> of, of what good life looks like and and so that's the we can trust in his good desires for our well-being and then when we receive his word we receive it humbly so like with moses interestingly you know, there's not anywhere that oh, Moses says, wow, that doesn't seem fair, God. I just messed up once, you know, that like <laughs> that he re- I mean, and who knows what his state of mind was. But that, it, that at least the script, scriptural depiction is that he received his due punishment and who gets to decide God does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that kind of and having that kind of baseline position of humility as creatures with in relation to our creator has a broad in, implications on the way we deal with sin in our own lives, which mm. then relates to the what you were saying about Jesus' teaching on confronting sin or judgment. You know, I, I, when I preached on that passage in Matthew, um, one of the points that stood out to me in the text as I studied through it using all the various resources, among which were Dr. Gibbs' commentary, uh, it, it struck me that the, the very beginning of what Jesus teaches his disciples is humility. You know, you take mm. the the... the 
You take the plank out of your own eye first. And in order to even recognize your own plank, you have to start in somewhere with humil- humble repentance. Mm. Like, oh, wait a minute. What is the sin in my life? And maybe yeah. it's the sin in my life that's making me think that I see sin in someone else's life. And then if you can even get that big stinking judgment plank out of your eye, after that's happened, after you've repented of your own sins, you might come to find that what you thought was sin in someone else's life was actually <laughs> an issue that you had, that your mm-hmm. vision was blurred because of the plank in your eye. Um, and then – so it, the, the humility is so essential in the Christian life no matter what we're approaching, and it's it's something that is often lacking in our public discourse because it's very difficult to be humble and be heard. You have to present yourself as someone that's kind of powerful and and assertive and persuasive and that you need to be listened to. But so often, the character of God's people should be that of humility, especially as God's creatures. And then uh, finally, so if, if we're humble as God's creatures, if we're humble by repenting of our own sins before we confront anybody else's, then when we do come to the confrontation of sin in our own lives and the lives of our brothers and sisters, it's the only reason we have left, not because we're better than them, not because we've achieved more or succeeded more fully. It's because we want to do something for their own good. Again, with God's commandments, they bring him glory and they're good for the people around us. Uh, so if we if we are to confront sin, it seems like the overriding, uh, the overriding motivation needs to be for the good of the person. So if you ask yourself when you're getting ready to pop off on somebody, say, well, wait a minute, is this, <laughs> you, know, you know, is this good for them? And I, in my own experience, that can be frustrating because it, it like su- sort of kills your, your fiery yeah. passion. Like, oh man, but I really want to get them, you know, <laughs> but, but if you can't honestly say this is good for them. And if you can't honestly say I have a, I have repented of my own sins first then maybe, and, and boy, believe me, this is, it's hard, to, it's hard to say it, but like, maybe you shouldn't say anything to that person. Yeah. And, but having said that, the, the other side, and this is another issue we, we all struggle with today is bearing the tension. Sometimes we do have to continue moving forward and confront this sin because look, I mean, if you're not going to confront sin in my life and I w- won't do it in your life, there are a lot of people out there that will, you can find that will just affirm you, you know? Yeah, and and as good as that is sometimes, and it is deeply encouraging to have someone just be on your side. Uh, it's so essential for the Christians. Uh, well, and, and I mean, you can kind of see it here in our in our text in our passage from Deuteronomy. It's important for the Christians to hold each other accountable. Like when when God gives His word to the people to be shared among them, it's not like well, just you know, depend on somebody to teach you the right things. So you guys don't worry about it. You know, like it's the parents are supposed to teach the kids, and the community members are supposed to hold each other accountable. And yeah. what do they do? Not that, and <laughs> you know, and, and 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 this should be that way among God's people today. That we yeah. we actually care enough about the well-being of our brothers and sisters that we would share concerns that we have and try to support them and mm. live in according to God's design. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I like I like uh, the way you you put that, especially um, talking about you know thinking about what is best for the other person is this for their good will this will this really help them in their their christian walk with uh jesus um reminds me of the passage that says look not only to your own interest but also to the interest of others Mm. um and think of others 
uh, kind of above yourselves or above above you. Um, right. Don't oh, think yeah. of yourself more highly than you ought. Um, but anyways, so and that you know, kind of at the end of toward the end of chapter twenty-two, it says that Moses recited the words of the song, the song that includes the good and the bad and the ugly, and sure. just all of it just very real and out there in an honest manner. He, he sang it all in front of the whole people. He wrote down, uh, the words of, of the law. I guess it, it seems like he, he wrote down, uh, you know, cause Deuteronomy is kind of his, his sort of, um, just retelling of the law that he received, right. uh, years ago, uh, for a new generation of Israelites. And, and, and so it's important for these things to be passed down, because he said, you know, command them to your right. children that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. Right. Uh, it's right. not an empty word for you, but it's your very life. And yeah. by this word, you shall, you shall live. Uh, I have a, a mm. great mentor in my life that says, um, you know, you, you know, when I'm, I'm trying to, I'm struggling to maybe make decisions or, or figure out what to do. And, and you don't always know sure. if what you're doing is, is truly the right thing. And you kind of wait, find just it. don't get profound prophetic insight when we become ordained. No. Dang it. You have to go and ask people uh, for help. And, and, oh, and, okay. and here's the thing that he says though, like he, he does say sometimes, Hey, you know, trust your gut. You can yeah. usually trust your gut if, and here's the caveat that he, he always has, if you're in prayer and you're in the Word. Right. And, um, you know, yeah. how important God's Word is to us. And I have definitely uh, not held it up as as central to my life or even my yeah. family's life as, as much as I should. Uh but Moses describes the word of God to these people as their very life. Right. This is your very life. And um, I've always been inspired by people around me who, who really love, you, you can see they're, they're, they just have a passion and a fire and a, a real love for, for learning God's word and studying mm. that. Um, and if you don't feel that passion or that fire, you know what? That just, how you're feeling, uh, but don't let sure. that discourage you or get you down. Right. Uh, continue to surround yourself with the community of people. Uh, surround, be in the places where you can hear the word of God uh, being spoken to you. And 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 you know, if you're not used to making it central to the life of your family, ask someone alongside you, to, or ask yeah. someone to walk alongside you to to guide you in that. Who is practicing that? And I, I think that's essentially what we see here with, you know, Moses is giving God's word to the people, and he is demonstrating uh, a true, I guess, Christ-like example, a true God-like example um, to the people of Israel and to Joshua, because his death is being foretold, and people... I assume that at least some people know that he's going to die because his death is being foretold. Uh, Wait, I, what's happening? He seems to, it seems to be a very transparent thing uh, mm-hmm. that God is very, very clear and upfront with Moses. I, I'm kind of assuming that other people 
probably would have heard about this too. Sure. And that this was part of his punishment. I'm sure he told Joshua because Joshua was there <laughs> when he was uh, being, I guess, told that, yeah, you're right. going to uh, be the Take leader over. now. Um, right. But in... But in the face of his sin that was called out by the God of the universe, Moses still obeyed and did his job. Right. And I think that that uh, really, really speaks to us in that, you know, even though we know uh, that we may not, we may learn from our decision later on down the road. We may not know in the immediate moment uh, what's going on uh, or, or if it's, truly the right thing to do or not we may have to learn the hard lessons later it's still god's call to us to to trust and obey him to to continue to follow through in the vocations that he's given to us and that's why it's important to hold the word of god close to our hearts and our minds to make it central in our lives because if if we're doing that um we're going if if we're doing that when we do make those mistakes or when we do uh, realize the the con- or come to face the consequences of mistakes and sins that we commit, uh, we're going to to see them uh, for for the power. We're going to see the power of God working uh, through right. us to transform us uh, in retrospect uh, for those things, just like He did for Moses, I think, and mm-hmm. and how that influenced and impacted the life of Joshua. Um, so anyways, that's kind of a, I, I'm sort of stretching, uh, maybe the immediate meaning of, uh, this passage, but I definitely uh, see a lot of, uh, modern day application in, in mm-hmm. the example that Moses gives, even in the face right. of, uh, clear consequences. And he, he doesn't, it's not recorded that he rebelled against God about this punishment. He, he accepted mm-hmm. this punishment. He, he had that sense of humility that you're talking about. And right. um, he, he did what he needed to do. Um, and we can still uh, obey God and impact people even when we know that uh, we've messed up. And I think mm-hmm. based off of this song that Moses gives and even facing his own punishment, um, it's clear that people of God, Christians, are people who walk with humility, who mm-hmm. don't sweep their their sins or their concerns or their issues under the rug, mm-hmm. and uh, we're called to, to address that first in our own lives and, and also walking alongside each other um, to work on that together. Right. So. Yeah, and being filled with the Word of God is the means yeah. through which God forms us, which is really encouraging, especially I like how you highlighted the that verse 47 of chapter 32 for it is no empty word but your very life and by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going to over the jordan to possess yeah man yeah that's cool stuff awesome uh so we've been talking about a lot of different application points even things that stand out to us is there anything dave that uh maybe gives you concern or pause or is a little bit confusing yeah so I'm concerned about opening the can of worms, but I have to go through it anyway. So uh, in chapter 30, verses 15 through 20, the, there's the passage where Moses lays out the, a lot of choice language, which concerns me because it – and it also is something to wrestle with because it seems like it exists as an opportunity to um, 
to perpetuate or to to uh, affirm sort of decision theology approaches to our relationship with God, which is problematic. All right. Can um, you explain for us what decision theology is? Yes, I can do that. Sort of. I'll try. Basically, <laughs> the, <laughs> the I mean, the long and the short of it is with especially in a way to convey the, the concern that's related, is that when a person talks about their relationship with God, they would say something like, I have, I have accepted Jesus into my heart, or I have chosen to follow God. And while in some senses there's truth there, because as Christians with the Spirit working in us, we do daily make decisions to, be, to, to, to do what God has given us to do, to, to confess Jesus as Lord. Uh, and in fact, the Spirit works in you to embrace the reality that Jesus is, in fact, Lord. And yet, the danger is that if it's not properly understood within the context of God claiming you as his child, then it can turn into a situation where your confidence and your assurance uh, of your of your peace with God is rooted primarily in the level of commitment you have made to Him, which mm. then causes problems because your confidence is no longer in God's secure claim on you, but instead on your ability to be uh, sincerely committed to Him. Now, I mean, again, it's you know, there's some tension there. Um, because you don't want to become passive in your relationship with God. But ultimately, when the almighty God of the universe claims us who are otherwise rebellious sinners against him to be our his children, is his claim on us where we find our assurance, especially uh, in our baptism. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, this is awesome. I'm, I'm glad you hit on that because, you know, as I think you're talking about the same professor, uh, decision theology is bad. But a theology of decision, we should have. Um, mm, nice. And um, Yoda, that sounds good. Well, it's basically the professor that is like the Yoda of the Lutheran world. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to uh, Joel Okamoto, JPO, my yeah, man, yeah. my man. Mm. <laughs> All right. <She's> um, awesome. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I think of it in like God's perspective and human perspective from our human. Mm perspective we wake up every day and there is logic and reasoning that we can use uh feelings mm-hmm. thoughts guidance from other people um mm-hmm. that tell us to trust our gut if we're in the word of god and in prayer and uh we use all of those things to make decisions and um, we can decide whether or not we're going to follow christ with this decision or uh not or or we're going right. to disobey and that's what moses seems to be presenting to God's people here, and yet, from God's perspective, uh, which he reveals to us also in his word, is the Holy Spirit working in us to make the right decision, if we make the right decision. If we make the wrong decision, then it's totally on us. It's totally our fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I like that you mentioned, you know, your peace with God. You rest on your uh, re- rest on the fact that God has made peace with you, that he has chosen mm-hmm. you. And I think that's conveyed in the fact that even though all of these sins and disobediences of Israel are being foretold, God also conveys to them, I'm going to stick with you the whole time. Right. I- I'm still going to be faithful to you. And so it wasn't even dependent on, on anything they did. Um, and, right uh, and and yeah. the fact that God speaks to them here, and I, I I was hoping to listen to a sermon from Dr. Seleska on this exact passage, but I didn't get it finished. So if he would have given the answer, I would have said it. But 
I didn't get that chance. Uh-huh. One, one thing I would point out, though, is that I mean, and this is again maybe a classic Lutheran point to make that all this stuff that's happening that God is teaching and giving to the the people is all following the time when God has already made His commitment to His people, like you, you made His covenant with yeah. them. He's pulled them out of Egypt, and now He said, "I will be your God, and you will be my people." Yeah. And so with, within that context, God is uh, the God through Moses is giving them this choice in a sense you know what i mean like he's not this isn't going out to the foreign nations who do not yet know god um this is for god's people yeah so it rests on his covenant with them and it stems out from that too because he's already made the commitment to them is what you're saying right right Right. and uh that kind of gives me a little bit of a segue into uh the thing that gives us great hope you know it gives us hope that god uh, makes this commitment to us bef- and with without anything that we've done he 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 chooses us he offers us life um he does the same thing for Joshua you know when he commissions Joshua at the beginning of the book of Joshua he says in verse 6 be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that i swore to their fathers to give them and you know, he continues on, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded to you. Um, and and that just kind of reminds me, and even in the story of Rahab being incorporated into the family of God, it's all about God reaching out and 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 saying, "Be you can be strong and courageous. You don't have to be afraid mm-hmm. because... My commitment remains to you. I remain faithful no matter what. And and God is telling Joshua, hey, you can be you can be strong and courageous in the decisions that you make from your perspective with mm-hmm. using uh, careful thought and prayer and consideration. And it may not always seem like you're making the right decision or you're doing the right thing, but you can be confident in the commissioning that I am, I am giving to you because I'm the one who is making these things happen for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that goes for us as pastors. I think that goes for anyone uh, who is a follower of Jesus. We can be confident that, um, that, uh, even the, the bad decisions that we make in life, even, uh, the bad choices that we do aren't strong enough for God, um, to uh, aren't strong enough to uh, push God away necessarily. He keeps chasing after us and mm-hmm. uh, offering us um, his commitment. So yeah, yeah. I, uh, the the note I wrote for anything that gives me hope, I said, uh, what gives me hope is God's abounding patience and deep desire for the good of His people, and and His deep desire to be at peace with His people. You know, the the way that God speaks to His people is as someone who cares about what they're doing and where they're going and what's going on. He's not an, a distant, aloof deity that just says, well, serve me and do what you want or, 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 or cower before me and know me not in any personal way. You know, like God, yeah. God calls on his people and teaches his people, this is what your life looks like. And this is a good way to live. And this is the way that, that you bring me glory and that you will be at peace with each other. I, uh, in confirmation, I'm going through the Ten Commandments right now, and one of the things that struck me as I've been going through it is the uh, – well, that I think of now anyway – is the two tables and how the first table is chiefly focused on 
the relationship between God and his people. And so that's one through three. And then four through ten is the relationship between the gods, each other, you know, the horizontal relationship. And and the the fact that the way that God depicts the lives of his people has so much to do with the way they interact with each other, I think, says something about who God is uh, and, and how he cares about our relationships with one another. And then the fact that it's so deeply rooted in our peaceful relationship with him says again says something about who god is that he desires us to be at peace with him and let that inform the way our lives unfold with each other awesome so let's take a break and we'll be back in a little bit All right, welcome back from our, our break. That usually happens at uh, the sixth, seventh part of our show. Uh, not a halfway yes. break. It, it used to be that um, back in the early days, but not anymore. <laughs> not with Dave Edwards. Um, <laughs> Dave, was there anything that is uh, was confusing to you or anything that you dug deeper into um, uh, for this well. reading? The answer I wrote down, now it doesn't sound as funny that I have to say to everybody, <laughs> I wrote nothing. I'm a genius. You are um, a genius, Dave. I'm so proud of you. All right. Thanks, well, let's jump into our application. Uh, our last question, as always, is how do you see this section of Scripture having overall importance to our lives as Christians mm-hmm. today? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so this jumps back to question number two. Was there any one or two particular areas that stood out to you as being of particular interest. And again, it takes me to these three times when Moses speaking God's word says to love, let's see, I'll command you with all your heart and all your soul. And then again, verse six, and the Lord, your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. And then finally in verse 10, when you obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to keep his commands and his statutes that are written in the book of the law, when you turn to the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. And this stood out to me in particular, and it serves as a good application opportunity because it's a phrase that we're very familiar with, but I don't think we explore the depths of it like we can. And to, so what, how can we apply what this, what this passage says to us today? Take some time to reflect on what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and 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 especially to think of the soul as just like your 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 utter self, like with all that you are. What does it look like to love the Lord your God? And as you ponder that, you you don't have to ponder it in the utter abstract because God gives us what it looks like to live as His people, and then. When we when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, all that we are, that means that our whole life is now oriented towards loving God. And God doesn't just demand our love selfishly, but our love for him serves the good of the people around us. And when we look at our own Christian life and maybe find times of doubt and uncertainty as to what we should do and how we should live and what does being a Christian have to do with any other aspect of our lives, we can return to this phrase with all your heart, with all your soul, and realize (laughs) that there's no end to the fullness of what it means to be a Christian and that it's not just an internal experience. It's not 
just uh, private prayers and, and, and long readings and, and passionate singing, but it's all that you are loves God. And then all that you are <laughs> is transformed so that it can serve God's people. Um, that's, right. the, that's the big, big takeaway for me. Yeah. And I, I could sense the, the passion that you had as you were, you were just preaching that word to me, brother. <laughs> and it reminded me of the John legend song where he says, uh, all of you oh, yes. for all of me. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, God wants, God wants it all. Um, and, and, and really that's, that is, aren't you in like the, uh, a sermon series right now called yes. the story of everything. And, yes. uh, Basically, the the story uh, of the Bible it is one big narrative uh, with a right. collection of books, just uh, kind of depicting that that true narrative of God right. working in history. And the story is that creation got messed up, and God it, it it's a story about God's constant intervention and action to take back what belongs to Him. To, right. because he doesn't just want he doesn't even just want humans he wants all of, all of creation he right. wants it and, back for himself and the story the beautiful thing about it which is something worth remembering is that the story doesn't end when you close the book like the, the story ends with the return of jesus and even then yeah. it doesn't really end and so if jesus has not returned the story continues and so we ourselves are in the story and so it informs our whole life as, ah yeah wait your turn to be in the story don't be a theologian of glory <laughs> all right a reference back to an incredibly cool uh a, uh what was that was that a music video you made yeah we're not going to say the right. title because i don't <laughs> need people to go find it uh, oh but... man <laughs> you're lucky i don't remember i don't remember what I know, it's called I know. anyway Something all right shoes. <laughs> Shh, don't say all right so uh my application point is uh uh, starting in the at the beginning of the book of Joshua, in mm-hmm. chapter one, I think I just counted about four times, maybe five, where God tells Joshua, or even Joshua relaying God's word to uh, his his people, uh, be strong and courageous, because the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. You know, and he, he, he says over and over again, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, only be strong and courageous. And Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world, uh, even though you're going to have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't even imagine what's going through the minds and hearts of God's people as they're hearing like, oh, yeah, these terrible things are going to happen to you because you're going to disobey me. Um, and yet. God still gives them his commitment. He gives God gives all of him to us uh no matter what. He he goes with us wherever we go and he reminds us that we don't have to be afraid. And that's something that's a big struggle for me is I can give easily into uh anxiety or worry, you know, especially when experiences in life uh, that are really terrible uh, they can really shape us, and uh, experiences can can continuously shape our beliefs, um, and not always in the best way. So you know, uh, that's why I, I I think you know kind of what you you were talking about and what we were talking about earlier with loving God with all that is in you. A, a really good way to do that is 
to hold the word of God close to you. And I've been convicted today to, to kind of just return to God's word and continue to uh, work hard at, at, at making that central uh, to my life and the life of my family because you're, we're all fighting uh, that, that sinful na- By the power of the Holy Spirit, we're all fighting that sinful nature in us. Um, we're, we're struggling with those fears or anxieties or those doubts and uncertainties, and those are sometimes fueled by experiences of a broken world. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, sometimes following, well, not sometimes, a lot of times following God is often yeah. painful because of the right. brokenness of this world, but his word right. is, is, uh, offering for us words that are, that are real and true, um, and is a, is a different way of thinking and being than what our experiences or even the world might um, cause us to believe. Um, right. And so it's, it's that return to the Word of God that reframes even those really negative things uh, that we struggle with um, that have mm-hmm. influenced our beliefs or our, our way of operating uh, in a negative way. Right, um, right. So, yeah. That's what kind of stood out to me as the overall importance. So, uh, Dave, thank you so much for all your insight and your your study. And it was a really good conversation today. I really enjoyed it. Um, As always, we end our show with a random question. And uh, I, I've been kind of making these up, you know, in the last few episodes. And, and uh, maybe people are tired of talking about the pandemic. This is another one that relates to, <laughs> relate to the pandemic. But I think it's kind of funny. Um, Tim, Sounds funny. Oh, yeah. It's going to be so funny. Uh, it, the, you know, it actually gets funnier the more you talk about how funny it is. Um, see, see, you're laughing. It was so funny. Um, (laughs) all right. So this is a, would you rather question in regard to the pandemic? Dave, would you rather always have to wear an N95, uh, face mask wherever you go and have unlimited freedom as to who you can be with, where you can go, that kind of thing. Mm. Or would you rather have just unlimited money and resources, but not be able to uh, be in contact with anyone in person. Oh, I'd rather wear a mask for the rest of my life. Oh my gosh! Yeah, man. Not yeah. Even, so we're not in this question. We're 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 assuming that the pandemic is lasting forever. Oh, sweet. well, until Jesus returns. That sounds so. fun. Oh, yeah, right, I know. <laughs> Great. Doom and gloom. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. I, there, I, no question. I would rather have to wear an N95 mask for the rest of my life. Nice. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Be, and, well, yeah, there's a whole lot we could say about that. But Jim and E, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think I'd go with that. I, I didn't really weigh the two choices. I, I didn't kind of balance the two choices very well on my my uh innovative question but um <laughs> it would be interesting to see what kind of uh creative avenues and things you could come up with if you had unlimited money and resources but you couldn't go anywhere right uh, oh yeah in, in a mean, pandemic i mean the way yeah It'd be cool for a while. I mean, it would I'd be cool for money a while. And resources. I'd have a super cool garage. I'd have a bunch of stupid old pickup trucks, and I'd have a super fast car probably. And then I'd probably do a lot of 
I feel like I should do a lot of impressive like service to the world. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like, there'd be a lot of incredible stuff you could do. Actually, now oh, that I'm maybe, thinking about yeah. it, yeah, maybe it would be better. Maybe, maybe I, it, it would, would just be. be a life of sacrifice. It's kind and, yeah. I mean, Jesus calls us to, to daily die and that's um, true, man. die to maybe ourselves. That's, Maybe, Maybe that's the, the way that a... you need to uh, serve Jesus is to have just unlimited money and resources. Wildly wealthy and just never see people again. <laughs> Great. That's well, my, I guess that's my cost to bear. Okay. <laughs> Lord have mercy and give me strength. Well, I mean, there's some seriousness to that, I think. And, and yeah, we, we probably mean, have to end the podcast uh, yeah. pretty soon here. I'm, we're definitely going over time. But, um, right. you know, I, I think you know, Christ calls us to suffer. And sometimes, you know, we suffer not necessarily because of things that, that we did, but be, right. simply because of the brokenness of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can ask ourselves, okay, how can we make sacrifices for the sake of the kingdom um, that may not be very comfortable or even helpful sometimes uh, for our own sake? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that is an interesting one. Wow. They got serious very quickly. <laughs> um, like most conversations with any seminarian or now I guess we're pastors. Yeah, I, I guess we are now. <laughs> I guess we're pastors now. The world is, is going downhill in that case. <laughs> uh, but Dave, thank you for being on the show and Dude, to all our, awesome. our listeners, uh, email any of your questions or comments to grow up and talk podcast at gmail.com. It's been a pleasure. Dave. Yeah. It's been real. Yeah, it's been real good. Oh, is, am I supposed, is this like a thing we're supposed to say? No, not is really. We, oh, you okay. say whatever you want to say to say goodbye. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> not, uh, I have nothing profound. So it's been awesome. I'm really <laughs> glad we got to do it. <laughs> Thanks so much for the invite. And uh, <laughs> I hope you have a good day, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everyone. Peace out. Bye.